Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. On today's show, we're going to talk about the latest Austin FC news and press conferences and the latest scrimmage. We're also going to share with you an interview with Joe Lowry from MLS Assist and Total Soccer Show, which was really, really interesting and, uh, and a lot of fun to do. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Um, Landon, we're both allocation disorder listeners, right? Yeah, I think it's probably the thing we talk about on this show the most is that podcast. And there was a lot of good stuff this week on that show directly related to soccer and MLS. and the Very very smart soccer minds, the brightest yeah. soccer minds in the country. But, and that's probably what you want to talk about, right? Yeah, they talked about something that's very important to me, and that is original Formula 4 Loco. It's actually the part of that <laughs> I want to talk about because that came up. And there was some other serial that I'm not that interested in talking about. But do you, did, do you have like an OG4 Loco experience? And do you remember when that was all the rage? I do remember. I, I had... Probably an for loco, um, but I had there's this. Uh, I played a lot of music in my younger days and played in bands and out at bars until the wee hours in the morning all the time. But there's this guy who was a musician up in Lubbock when I was there, who like pretty much exclusively drank for loco, and that's I always I always uh, connect for loco to to this guy that I knew up in Lubbock. <laughs> It's pretty good. So I, I remember that it was referred to as a blackout in a can because it had, <laughs> it was like, the original was like super high on alcohol content and also in caffeine. And I remember the night that I had like two cans of it in the same night, like, you know, apparently I was really entertaining. Um, <laughs> and I think my heart raced like 170 beats a minute, like when I tried to sleep. And uh, yeah, I don't remember much of that until... The next day, that's why it was good to have pictures of whatever, you know, however charming and entertaining I was throughout <laughs> that. So it's probably good that it's gone now, I think. It's a goal in my life now to meet for Loco Jeremiah. Because <laughs> I think I think Chris Wellhausen mentioned on the show that it was a goal of his to meet Tito's Jeremiah because he had never <laughs> met you when your Tito's crunk. And so now I want to meet for Loco, for Loco Jeremiah. Jeremiah. <laughs> and I was a big fan of the uh, grape, which in for Loco form was called Uva. <laughs> but there was not, nothing else in Spanish on the can. That's just what they called it. But that's another thing too. Like it was grape in the way that like grape Kool-Aid is grape, right? It's like purple, purple, right? It's purple it and it's like a flavor, purple. but it does not taste like actual grapes at all. <laughs> uh, before we transition into actual soccer topics, I want to take a moment just to welcome any new listeners. Uh, looking at our download numbers, there are more of you than there used to be which is really awesome and, and humbling for us to see. But thanks for listening. And um, if you want to go back into the the backlog, there's some some of the news might be outdated, but there's some really cool interviews and some interviews that, that we're pretty proud of. So go back into the back catalog, listen to some of those. Um, and yeah, I think there's some good stuff there, but thanks for listening. So let's jump into scrimmage results. We had our second Austin FC scrimmage that was once again not televised, no details shared until afterwards. And we got, was it like a 60, 70 second highlight clip that we got out of it? So I think we had, we had two, not even halves, but like two independent 70 minute matches, right? For each one of these at St. Edwards University. So we had result of 2-0 for each one. In the first, we had goals from Schoenfeld. Schoenfeld? Schoenfeld? Schoenfeld, I think. Schoenfeld, Okay. 
And Roddy Red Ace, and I love like the like Red Ace touch on that, which I think we get into with Joe a little bit. Um, and then on the second one, Danny Houston had both goals uh, in that match. So from that like seventy five seconds of what you saw, what were your what were your favorite moments of those? Um, yeah, I, we get into this a little bit with with Joe, like you mentioned, but Red Ace looked really good, which is uh, somebody I was maybe not super high on until seeing his performances here. Um, Danny Pereira from all accounts has looked really good. And then Kaguta Mane has impressed someone we haven't talked about a ton. Um, and he's, I think he's looked good in, from what little we've seen so far, I think he has two goals and, and some other highlights as well. One thing that really stood out to me is, uh, kind of like Zapruder film analyzing the, the like 70 minute or sorry, 70 second clip that we got out of it was, I was like pausing and who's that in the back? Like who's at left wing? Who's playing here? Who's on the field at the same time? And I I was able to, I didn't get a full 11 that was on the field on the field at the same time, but the front six, I'm pretty confident that these six were on the field at the same time. And so at the six, it was ring. Um, and then the two midfielders ahead of him were Cecilio and Fagundes, which are maybe like two of our most attacking players, like attack minded players. The left wing is Gallagher at the nine Schoenfeld and at the right wing Redis, um, which I thought that was really fascinating to see that this is something that Wolf is playing with just because all of our projected 11s are like where we're thinking those two midfielders are going to be or um, slightly more defensive minded than than those two guys. So like Pochettino is almost definitely going to be one of them. And then Pereira and Fagundes are like one of the others. But then Cecilio and Fagundes in that midfield together at the same time is maybe like the all-out attack. Yeah, it's plan. just like yeah, throwing guys forward and daring somebody to to counter right there for sure yeah. on that lineup. Yeah. So, do I think this is something that we're going to see a lot? No, I don't think we're going to see those two in the midfield a lot together. But it's fun to see that it's something Wolf is playing with, and just to see what it looks like as an option if he needs to bring it out of her. So, I thought that was one thing that stood out to me. Um, is there anything else with the scrimmage you wanted to cover? Well, I do want to point out that uh, we were worried last week with this opponent that, um, you know, they had defeated FC Cincinnati 3-0. So I know um, on the Striker podcast last week, John Arnold was really big on, look, let's not read a lot into scrimmages, but I want to read a lot into scrimmages. And so, you know, knowing that Louisville, like, blew out Cincinnati and we had a really easy time with them in both halves makes me, makes me, you know, again, we're going to win the cup this year. That's what I take out of it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it is, it's USL competition. We're only seeing the highlights. So there could have been a bunch of terrible plays that happened in between that would be super discouraging. Uh, so, yeah, we shouldn't get too excited, but it's hard not to, right? To see, we've been waiting so long to see these guys put on the uniform and play. And what little we get to see looks really good. And so, yeah, of course, we're going to get excited about it. But I think we should keep a, a little bit of a balance there and not, not let it get too much into our heads. Cause the real test hasn't started yet. Um, so you mentioned that this, this scrimmage took place at St. Ed's. This is probably going to be the last time we see anything happen at St. Ed's because as we've seen on social media, uh, they've now started moving into St. David's performance center. And so they're probably going to be practicing. And then some of these preseason games are going to be taking place there as well. Yeah, we've got a lot, see a really good, a lot of really good video and tweets today. There was a Willie Nelson quote on the wall. It's a oh, yeah. performance there. So, I, you know, 
legendary uh, Austin athlete, Willie, Willie Nelson. <laughs> I, do you remember what it was? What what what, what, uh, what was it? It's the I can't remember the exact words, but there's a there's a sense of freedom. Uh, what is it? It's something about like feeling freedom when you get closer to Austin. We Texas. get close to Austin. Yeah, freedom and and happy clouds too at the same time. <laughs> um, and I didn't watch much of the video except I know that Cecilia was featured heavily in it. Um, but you did so. What? Uh, what what was the video? Today? Yeah, the the one there was there was clips of several players, but the I think one of the coolest ones was the one with Cecilio, where it just shows him kind of walking out onto the edge of the pitch, uh, which is like beautiful and pristine condition, and he's just like slowly walking out there and just kind of looking around, and he starts rubbing his hands together, and then turns around and is walking off the field, and he realizes the camera is pointing at him, and he just turns to the camera and says in English, "It's beautiful," and then walks away. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, that's nice. That's so good, and you loved his hair, and you loved his smile. Oh, his hair was too, his right? hair was glorious in the in that video. The wind was blowing through it, and it was yeah, it's it was, which I, I we posted uh, a tweet last week after our last episode, um, trying to get to the bottom of who is the most handsome boy on the Austin FC roster, and um, I think the only thing that we learned is that they're all they're all beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so many choices yeah i think um so we had somebody introduced us to i think it's soccer crush is the name of the Twitter i think that's account. what the account's called yeah i think the los verdes account uh looped them in to to get them to weigh in on it and i think they picked cascante who's my guy that was my number one pick uh and also mentioned hector jimenez which um i don't think did get mentioned before but he's also a, a, a fine looking gentleman hector so uh yeah, I so we we didn't get a, a definitive answer, but I I think that's fine. We should just sit back and enjoy the beauty and and just just know that we have a very handsome set of boys playing for us. Yeah, and I'm wondering. So early in the show, you thanked uh, all the new listeners for checking in on that. So between uh, four loco talk <laughs> and you know who the most handsome boy on the club is, you know. Some Welcome. of them may be regretting that. They're gonna but they'll love the Joe Lowry interview. There's a lot of there's of a lot course. of technical analysis in that part for sure. Yeah, yeah. Skip forward to the Joe interview. It's great. Um so that's gonna be the last of these initial sets of scrimmages and we're moving into La Copita territory. So tell us about uh what we have to look forward to with the next few games. Yes, this week on the third, uh we will play Houston Dynamo um here at the St. Davis Performance Center on the Austin FC app, which may be very stressful for the people who are developing the Austin FC app because it's, <laughs> I mean, it's the new one, right? That's what they say. So yeah, it's a thing it's, that doesn't exist yet. It doesn't that, exist. And like maybe the thing that's going to draw the most traffic in the existence of the app is going to be the first thing they ever put out. So I don't, I'm not envious of these developers that are putting that together. Yeah. Good luck to the guys that are working on that. Uh, and then on uh, April 7th, which is, Wednesday. Oh, it's the day I get my second Moderna shot, which oh, so I should remember that day. Yeah. <laughs> so I will probably be not watching that, but passed out and miserable uh, from <laughs> like what I, from everything I've heard about the second vaccine. But yeah, we will play FC Dallas on the road, which will also be on the app. Um, and FC Dallas recently announced, I think I read this on the striker, that they're going to have 50% capacity for April and May matches. So there's a lot of good opportunities to do that. So I know there's a lot of us that are from North Texas that have family members that we haven't seen in a year. So it's probably your 
probably be a really good time to like go up and see your uncle or you know grandpa or whoever and <laughs> check out a match too. There's plenty of opportunity to get in, I would think. I haven't heard from you in years, Jeremiah. <laughs> It's so good to see you. I'll be back in three hours. <laughs> um, so we were talking earlier about why some of these were being streamed and why others were not. And you you kind of put together an idea of why that was. Yeah, because that, and that that's directly related to the, on the 10th. Uh, there's SAFC, um, which is at at home, but at the Performance Center. Uh, but there's no, no TV, no fans. Uh, and... You know, if you look at what we've seen so far from like St. Ed's, there's like a lot of field level highlight videos of the single camera. And I just think ultimately it's a lot of work to put together a production of facility that's not developed for it. And it would be different next year when we're playing at Q2, right? You have these permanent camera installations that, that make sense for kind of being able to have a stream and see what's going on without a lot of effort. But I just think... You know, it, may, it makes sense that maybe on something like we're playing USL side, uh, fans should have seen a couple of matches already that, you know, maybe it's not worth putting in the effort to put a production together in order to to do that. And I think I speculated it was like fear of embarrassment from losing to San Antonio last time, which I seriously doubt is a reason why you wouldn't stream it. So there's probably something else there. Yeah. And then, I mean, that, that could play into it, but also like going back to St. Ed's into the game in Round Rock, like. I can't imagine the St. Ed soccer program is getting a lot of televised matches out there. And then that round rock facility is essentially a youth facility. So, uh, yeah, not really set up for TV broadcast. So that that's a good idea as to, to one of the reasons why those aren't being streamed at all. Um, moving on to the rest of the schedule. Um, we have, we now have the full thing, right? We know when all of the games are, we know the, the pre- preliminary times. Some of those could change due to TV TV scheduling and things like that. But uh, before we jump into the actual schedule, let's talk about the video that they used to release the schedule. How cool was that? Yeah, it was a great video. So it was this, we'll put this in the show notes if people get it, but it was this kid who was incredible uh, on a bicycle. I don't remember, I feel like as soon as that came out, like that kid's dad, you know, tweeted like, that's my boy, which I would <laughs> too. It was like it was a kid on a bicycle. He rode all around town, went to all these like really iconic Austin venues. Again, ties back into how they've done a really good job about understanding all of Austin. And then eventually, well, this is something we should talk about. So I think eventually he steals the Verde van, <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember, where, I don't remember where. But I mean, how did you feel about that part of the video? Yeah, it's the most controversial part of the video where he either. One option is he steals the Verde van and is driving. I don't know if we're supposed to believe he's driving the Verde van because this is a young boy. He's like probably 12 or something like that, right? Um, So that's one option. The other option is he gets into the Verde van with a stranger <laughs> who then drives him to a construction site, <laughs> takes him to the stadium. <laughs> and so I don't know which option is is worse, but... That's the one controversial part of the video that we're not sure exactly what happened. But overall, I thought it rocked. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really cool. And then um, also, some of the just you think about like the video production and what it takes. I think we saw. I don't remember who it was. We should look this up. But do you remember who tweeted sort of about the um, process? I can't remember the name, but we can put it in the show notes. But I think it was someone who was involved with the creation of the video who after the video had been out for a few hours, they tweeted kind of a making of and kind of showed 
all of the work that went into creating the visual effects into this video and, and all the work they put into it. And it, uh, it, it shows like the video is super cool. So we'll put links to both of those, both the real video and the making of video in the show notes and definitely watch both of them because they're super cool. And one other thing I should say is that we probably know the people who drive the Verde van and they may listen to this show. So just know this is like a theoretical exercise and like we're not <laughs> suggesting that they're like creepy people who like, you know, abducting we're not a young accusing boy you too. of kidnapping Stone the bicycle Bicyclist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, uh, let's so talk about the schedule. In, yeah, yeah. Let's get into the real schedule now. So, um, what 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 was your your main takeaways from from this full schedule? Yeah, and this is going to be true for the league, but it's super unbalanced. So, thirty two of the thirty four matches are against clubs in the West, and in a very MLS way, there's like a complicated formula to who plays what. But basically, we're going to play everybody in the West twice. But there are eight teams that we play three times. And those eight teams are Colorado, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, LAFC, Minnesota, Portland, and San Jose. And then we play two teams in the Eastern Conference, which we should talk about. How do you feel about our Eastern Conference opponents? Uh, I think they're pretty interesting options. So one of them is Nashville. I think that's a cool matchup. Uh, they're a recent expansion team, the Music City aspect uh, and I think Adrian Healy wrote in an article that he posted that a suggestion for like a theme of of this match would be Willie versus Dolly. And I think that would be an awesome idea for a TIFO for that game um, to have like set it up as like a boxing poster with <laughs> Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton like dressed as boxers, like squaring up to fight each other. <laughs> um, I, I love that. But I feel like Willie and Dolly are both like two you know, like kind and positive to, to, to like do that. It would be like Willie and Dolly hugging or something it would be like the actual. Yeah. Like, and output I, I was, I was thinking about that too. Like if it were Austin fans making it kind of generally like in a TIFO, the theme, like the idea is to make the opponent look stupid or weak. Um, but we couldn't do that to Dolly. Right. So we just have to like make them both look super badass, Like they're, they're about to go into like yeah. the boxing match of their lives. And I think that would be cool. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Them That's a good plan. Service. Yeah. Um, so the other Eastern conference game is against the Columbus crew. Uh, were, were you, were you surprised to see that they chose the crew as one of our two Eastern conference opponents? I was surprised because I feel like the league is, I feel like this is confirmation that the league wants this to happen as a narrative there's going to be this like Austin versus Columbus is going to be a thing. Um, and I talked to Luis de Leon from uh KVU for a story. He's going to do the week of the match about that. And, and whether like, do we think that's a natural rivalry or not? And he had, uh, so he interviewed me and he found like the Columbus, I don't remember what show it was, but it was like a Columbus fan and podcaster too. Um, and asked us both about that. And I think we both had kind of the same answer. Like there's a small group of people, probably a couple hundred for each club that have been around since this all started, that it's really important to, but that's, if you look at both our respective supporter sections, that's what 10% of supporters or whatever, they're going to have it's, any idea. It's about, probably about a higher players. percent in Columbus, but I'd say the percentage here is probably fairly low. So I just don't, unless something goes, you know, something weird happens there. Like I don't see that being a natural rivalry, which is what I talked to him about. Um, 
so yeah, I was a little bit surprised that 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 was who they picked. Like, but I guess who who else? You know, knowing what the options were, do you have an Eastern Conference foe that you would prefer to play against? No, I mean with with uh, expansion teams, the league likes to try to like pump them up a little bit, right? Which is probably the reason why we're playing LAFC for that first game, just to create some buzz around Austin's first game. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It's like it answers the question whether the league is going to try to lean into the excitement of this game because they had the opportunity to just not do it. Right. If they're only playing two Eastern conference teams, you could say like, Oh, I just didn't work out this season. Uh, and that, that shows that they're leaning away from it, but they didn't do that. They chose to play this game. So whether, whether or not it's going to be a, a real rival rivalry, um, I've said before that I think it could turn into one based on what happens in these first few games. If there's just some some crazy things happen, I, I could see it turning into a, a real legitimate rivalry. But um, I don't know that it's necessarily just going to do that no matter what. But it'll be very interesting to see. And I think there's going to be some some interesting uh, Internet chatter leading up to that, that game for sure. Oh, for sure. I think there will be Twitter accounts that I have to block or I, or I will be blocked by for sure. Um, um, what are some of the other takeaways from the schedule? Yeah, I was thinking the big thing is um, just we knew that we were going to have this front-loaded road schedule and we're going to have a lot of opportunities at home later in the year, but seeing it on paper is, you know, fairly amazing. So we don't start until June 19th and at home, and once we do that, like it's a big roll from there until early November with just a ton of, what well, a ton of matches overall, you know, and a ton of home matches too. Yeah, I think that was something that that surprised me. Like we knew that Austin was going to have a backloaded home schedule, but the schedule itself is backloaded. There are more games in the latter part of the season, and so it's more congested than anyway, and that's just the the part of the season where we're going to be at home more. So it's going to be very busy. Q2 is going to be a very busy place in Austin that part of the year. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, if I remember, there's maybe, what, a month or something where there's, just because the international breaks, wait, the the way it happens is like after we open, we have San Jose and then we have Columbus. And I think there's like a long period of time. They're just like nothing while that happens. And then it's a, there's a lot of Sundays and Wednesdays and whatever rolling into the end of the season. I was talking to a friend of the show, Chris Haig the other day, and he was talking about like friends or family coming in to visit to see a game. I think he was talking about his brother maybe, but he was like, if you come later on in the season, you can come for five days and see two matches instead. Because yeah. if you just like throw a dart at a calendar, there's probably going to be two two matches in a week. And so, yeah, it's not, not a bad idea for people coming in from out of town. Um, moving on to the, the beginning of the schedule. So the LAFC game is that first game. Um, there's a watch party at, uh, at the Long Center that's being hosted by Austin FC that was sold out before I knew it even existed. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of excitement. So it's a thousand people. It's this random, well, not random because they have to do it for a reason. But yeah, you could you can have four and exactly four people in a group. Um, but yeah, it was gone in twenty like twenty one minutes or something. Uh, for the for the for the lawn there for their first match on the seventeenth. Yeah, so that was a little bit disappointing to see uh, that that filled up so quickly, but there's going to be lots of opportunities to watch this at other places, right? So tell, tell us about some of the, the places that we know for sure are going to be having watch parties. 
Oh, wait, I have I have a place I don't know for sure at all that I'm going to introduce to that. So you remember when they put the video out about there was like a countdown timer to when the season was going to start, and it was at Stubbs, and uh, right. or it was like the Stubbs Amphitheater. And I remember saying in Slack, I was like, "Well, clearly they're going to go to a place like Stubbs where they can like control access and they can get a whole bunch of people in and not you know some random place like the Long Center." Um, so don't pay attention to, to me at all whenever we talk about those <laughs> kinds of things because I was very wrong about that. But we have when it goes to watch party, so the uh, stadium district is going to be super busy. So both Hop Squad and Circle, which are right next door to each other, are going to be hosting supporters group watch parties. So Los Verdes is going to have an all-day party at Hop Squad. Austin Anthem is going to have a all-day all day party at Circle. And they're largely the same. You know, it's going to open in the morning. I think there's like bands during the day. It's a match on it. It's at what four thirty? Seven matches. Four thirty central, yeah. Four thirty central, and then like something going on afterwards. So, um, it should be fun. It should be a lot. Uh, Los Verdes also is going to have uh, a thing at Black Sheep Black Sheep Lodge down south because we had a lot of fans do that. And I think like every bar, especially in that brewery district, like stadium area, are going to do something. I know Fourth Tap is. I expect Mister Tramps will do that. Um, Haymaker Haymaker is going to do something. I think uh, Chris Bills tweeted that he's collecting a list of those. I expect the Striker Texas will have an article that kind of have a running tally of who of who's going to have a watch party because it's going to be a huge ticket for yeah. everybody in Austin. You have to imagine anybody who's ever thought about showing a soccer game at their establishment is going to have at least the game on, if not having some sort of special event. Uh, if you think back before the pandemic, there was bars reaching out to the supporters groups like kind of like courting the supporters groups, right? Like saying like, we want you to come to this bar and make our bar your supporters, your like your main supporters bar because A, there's good business in that, right? If you have this group of people who are like loyal to your bar, but also they recognize the excitement and just kind of want to be a part of it. And that's all over town. And so I think there's going to be a lot of watch parties. So if, um, if you want to go to one of these ones we mentioned, do that, check those out and pick one to go to. But uh, also, if you just kind of like call your nearest sports bar or your nearest soccer bar, they're probably going to be doing something. Uh, so you probably won't have to travel very far to find something happening. Yeah, I had a call with uh, Pam Cato from Craft Beer Austin earlier today, and she was they were going to do a list of, of watch parties. And like, you know, it was just like not just have the game on, but she had to have the game on and that had to be like your only audio in order to in order to even qualify for. Oh, it. It like, this is a good every, list. Everybody's got the game on, right? But like, yeah. but have the game on and the game be the focus of what you're doing in your place is what it's going to take to make like the list of watch parties that they have. That's important criteria. Pam's doing God's work out there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's jump into some Copa Tejas talk. Um, so most of these games are also kind of backloaded, which I was happy to see that most of the Texas teams are playing later in the year, which means we're going to get full or mostly full stadiums for them. Well, I was ready to have like a parking lot battle with supporters groups for other teams. And so I think training until August for that, you know, before before we actually started <laughs> up is probably good for us. So, yeah, there's a really heavy schedule in August and September for this. The first one's uh, May 8th is Dallas and Dynamo, which nobody cares about. But um, so August 4th. <laughs> August 4th and 7th, it's we play Dallas and Houston. Then the 29th, we play Dallas again. September 11th, we play Houston again. And there's a Houston and Dallas game in between. So it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of that going on. 
I think the one of these that I'm most excited about is the, I think the first away match we do is against Dallas. So that first time we go away to one of the Texas teams and bring as many people as they'll let us fit into that stadium. I think that's, it's a thing we've been talking about and kind of like dreaming about for years now. Um, and so I think that's going to be a pretty glorious moment whenever we we pack out one of their stadiums. And it's, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. And who doesn't want to see Frisco, Texas in August? It's like it's, oh, it's a magical yeah. place. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. But uh, uh, Harvard in the fall and Frisco <laughs> in late summer. Frisco in late summer. Yeah. If you want to. I don't think they have any of the uh, like high tech uh mesh butt cooling seats that we have in austin so (laughs) just if you're going up just plan to stand the whole match it'll probably be it'll probably be the best thing that you can do yeah um all right is there any other schedule or copa tejas bits you wanted to talk about i don't think we need to so did you so you talked um does john what was it john arnold has an opinion on not oh yeah copita this is for la copita he said in the mls uh, MLS striker podcast. He said that he wants La Copita for the actual trophy to be like a very small cup because it's La Copita, the small cup. And so like to have an actual very small trophy, be the trophy for that tournament, which I very much approve of this idea to, to see them like lift it. Like, you know how they do like, Oh, <laughs> and lift it in the air to see him do that with just like a little, a little tiny cup. I think that's a brilliant idea that John had. Uh, do you, so does that make you think of the the Stonehenge bit from <laughs> from Spinal Tap? From Spinal Tap, yeah. I mean, it's going to be basically the same experience, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a good good inspiration to draw from for sure. Um, let's move on to this week's uh, player and coach press conferences. So the last few weeks we've had Josh Wolf do a little bit, and then two players come out and do a, have a little bit of press availability. Uh, this week, instead of two players, it was Josh and Claudio and then Kakuta Mane. So um, I didn't really pick up on anything from Josh or Claudio's uh, sections that were like new information or extremely noteworthy. Was there anything that you wanted to comment on there? Uh, no, not that much. They originally were scheduled for like one o'clock and they moved them back a couple hours because it was the same afternoon that the schedule came out. And so almost all the questions were directly related to the schedule and what it meant and you know a lot of it was just josh and claudio basically saying yeah this is you know it's what you do when you're an expansion team and you've got a stadium to open you're going to play on the road a bunch then you're going to you're going to close at home and i didn't i didn't get a lot new and interesting out of that that i kind of remember did you pick anything up no yeah i think i think you're right like they like yeah not, just not much new information i think the most interesting parts were kakuta mane's segment um I think uh, it, he he gave a little bit of insight as to just kind of the experience of that the players are having, and then also lots of questions about him being like a hometown kid. He he spent a lot of his youth in Austin before going pro and, and leaving town, but um, his his family is still here, and and so that was a cool narrative that like uh, some cool answers coming out of that of just like him getting to come back to Austin and how how much he loves Austin and how much he thinks Austin deserves a team like this. So that was cool to hear. But um, he also just gave some insight in, into what it's like to play for Josh Wolf, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And this is, you can read this and which we'll link to it too, but you read Phil's article 
uh, that you wrote for the website about it. And he, yeah, Kakuta talked about how uh, it's mentally challenging to play for Josh just because what, what he says, he's more of a teacher than a coach and talked about needing to concentrate and focus all the time when you're in practice, which, I, you know, is kind of a new thing we've heard. Like we've heard a lot about the system um, and what it means, but not, I don't think we've heard from a player like exactly how, what it was in their head, you know, like what, yeah. what it's like to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. And when he, when he says challenging, he said it, the way he said it, it was like a positive thing. Like this is something that's like making us better. And like we're growing and learning things all the time. And so it's difficult, but it's like a good kind of difficult. And I thought that was really cool to hear a player talking about it that way and just how much they're learning and how much the team is, is all seem to be really into it. Right like excited to go to work every day. And that's that's the sensation we get from Josh when he talks about it. And then the sensation we've gotten from the players that we've gotten to hear from as well, how excited they are to, to be learning the system and to go to work every day. And so that's it's cool to just to see that kind of environment in, in the locker room right now. Um, all right. Is there anything else we want to touch on before we move on to our interview? No, I think it's time for an interview. All right. So today's guest is going to be Joe Lowry, as we mentioned before. If if you're not familiar with Joe, he's uh, he has a podcast called MLS Assist. Um, his co-host Jordan Angeli, and he just kind of get nerdy on MLS stuff. They'll pick a few topics and and do real tactical deep dives on on specific topics. And so there's, I mean, Extra Time does a really great job of covering the whole league, but because they're covering the whole league, they don't get to do deep dives on everything. And so Jordan and Joe kind of pick these tactical topics and like they've recently highlighted new coaches that are coming in and new players to the league. I think on the the show to, the, today on Monday, they talked about Cecilio and like what kind of player he's going to be. So they, they really do like do these deep dives and kind of get nerdy on MLS, which is a cool thing to do because you, you don't there's not a lot of places doing that kind of thing. And so that's why I really wanted to have Joe on the show to do this. So what we're going to do is pick on Austin FC starting 11. And I would have felt bad about asking, um, asking like a national voice like this to come on. Cause this is a thing that like takes a lot of homework. Like you have to do a lot of prep work to pick a starting 11 and sound knowledgeable to do it. I knew that Joe was probably already doing this kind of thing just because he likes to get nerdy on this kind of stuff. And so I was extremely happy to, that he agreed to come on and um, we, we had a lot of fun talking to him. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Joe Lowry. Our guest today is Joe Lowry of MLS Assist and Total Soccer Show and also has my favorite accidental nickname of any podcast host that I listen to, which is Pepper Joe. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for joining us, man. Dude, it is so good to be here. Thank you guys both so much for having me. So I feel like we need to we need to unpack Pepper Joe first then, right? Like I feel like that has to be. <laughs> for, the, for the people that don't listen or don't know it, let's go there. Uh, I'd love to unpack it. Honestly, it's been... So I guess I can unpack it to a certain extent. Adam Snavely, uh, who currently does work uh, for Jimmy Conrad's kind of brand and is doing some writing for them and it does a lot of other great stuff. He came on Total Soccer Show, an episode that I was hosting, and one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I was branded as Pepper Joe. I believe that's how it happened. It, it might it was have happened on tweet. Twitter. Okay, yeah. It so, was from so Landon, a tweet. you know more about this than I do. 
I don't remember exa- the exact wording, but it was, I think Taylor tweeted something along the lines of like, um, like listen today and he- hear something, something, something and pepper Joe with questions. Oh, right. As in like he was going to pepper you with questions. Yeah. But the way it was written, it said pepper Joe and someone like someone responded <laughs> and said, is that Joe's nickname or something like that? And it's just, I've ended up with a, a weird yeah. number of nicknames on TSS and and kind of in TSS adjacent spaces over the last few months. (laughs) Uh, I'm here for it. I'm here for it, you guys. Uh, Speaking of TSS, I know like I I sent you a message after Daryl's passing, just letting you know how I was very happy that you're one of the people stepping in into that role, kind of filling those shoes. I think you have the curiosity and the the positive energy that Daryl had. And so it's been it's been a real joy listening to you on that show. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. It's been weird at times to to wake up after, especially U.S. games, and and either be hopping on to record with Taylor, or or maybe that maybe we did the show the night before instead of waking up and listening to Taylor and Daryl talk. It's been really really strange, but it's been a genuine honor and pleasure of mine to be able to step up and do some of those things. So I appreciate that, Landon. That does mean a lot. Yeah, of course. You're doing a great job. So um, let's jump into to what we're here to talk about, which is Austin FC's roster and their system. And uh, we'll, we'll get to picking our 11. So I think the first question I wanted to ask was looking at like we haven't seen Wolf play a game yet. Right. He's, he's never been a head coach, but we feel like we have a good idea of what his system is going to look like. So just from what little we've seen and what you've heard him say, do you think that he's going to do anything different from what Greg Berhalter does? It's such a fascinating question. One that I think I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of months. It feels like with Josh Wolf, we have a clearer idea of what he's going to do than we would have of most new coaches coming into MLS, which is so bizarre, right? Because a lot of the coaches that are coming into the league this off season or now Losada in, in DC Phil Neville in Miami, there are others as well, but they have something that we can latch onto. They have some footage with Phil Neville. It's the, you know, the England women's national team with Losada. It's, it's some time coaching in Belgium. We don't have that with Josh Wolf. All we have is the coaches that he's worked with. First and foremost, that's Greg Berhalter. So are things going to look the same or are they going to look different than what Greg Berhalter is doing? That's really hard to answer because to be honest with you guys, I think Greg Berhalter has changed a lot of what he's doing over the last couple of years. So with Columbus and with the early national team days, there was a difference in shape. With Columbus, it was a 4-2-3-1 with more of a number 10 in Iguain underneath a number nine. Then with the national team, it's more, of a, it's more of a 4-3-3 with a number nine and two wingers, two number eights and one number six. And so the shape changed. The principles didn't change in a lot of ways, but the shape did change. And then fast forward a little bit with the national team, Starting kind of January 2020, the U.S. have adopted a much more aggressive pressing structure in ways that they hadn't in the full year under Berhalter in 2019. So it's hard to say which version of Berhalter Josh Wolf is going to latch on to because Berhalter himself has been a number of different versions of himself. So Josh Wolf, if you if you had to ask if I if I had to actually give an answer to that question instead of kind of dancing around it like I've been doing, I would say I think we will see. A 4-3-3 from Josh Wolf could be way off on this, but it feels like from comments that Josh Wolf has made, we'll see a 4-3-3 that does press, that does try to keep the ball and looks roughly similar to what Berhalter is doing with the national team right now. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think we're going to get more of a national team 
uh, Burhalter system than a crew Burhalter system. So, but yeah, like you said, we don't know. And we've heard very little of what he's said that he's going to do defensively. He talks about offense and attacking and, uh, like disrupting the defense with movement and positioning. But as far as defensive plan or defensive shape, we've got almost nothing, like a few lines and in interviews here and there. But it's it's we'll find out this weekend uh, a little bit because we're going to actually get our first streamed game of um, the preseason game against Houston Dynamo. And so we'll get to see a little bit of it there. But, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see for sure. And it's almost impressive how little has come out about how Josh Wolf wants to play. I wonder if that's partly because everyone's kind of so confident, just like it feels like we all are, that we have a rough idea of what's going to happen. I mean, the biggest thing that I've been able to latch on to, and this is not a defensive thing, but it was an interview that uh, Josh Wolf did with Glenn Davis on his podcast in Texas, where Josh Wolf referred to, quote, his front five guys or the front five guys, which to me says the front three, striker, left winger, right winger, and then two central midfielders stepping high into that front line or whoever those players are. But you're probably going to get that out of a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1. So, I mean, there's just so we're latching on. We're, we're grasping at straws here. And so I'm with you guys. I'm excited to see something of what this team's actually going to look like as we get that preseason game. I think another clue to that is um, in Columbus, it was usually like that 4-2-3-1, but he had Pipa Higuain as that number 10 Austin FC don't have a player like right. that right now. They don't have that, that true number 10 player, which is another clue as to uh, why I think they're going to do that dual eight system instead of having a true number 10 there. But um, <laughs> Jeremiah, you probably have some, some other ideas on why we don't know much about Wolf system too, right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I think, I think he's learned really well from Claudia Reyna to like master the getting a question, giving no answer. I mean, <laughs> saying a lot of words, but like never actually revealing what the words behind him mean, which is something I've noticed a lot about in all the press conferences that we've seen before. So, and I think, um, I think it was on allocation disorder. Uh, Sam station was talking about front offices that never leaked. And I know when Claudia was like an NYCFC, they were, they were like a closed door, you know, and you did, you never yeah. really found out what was going on, on the inside. And I feel like he's brought that to Austin and that seems to fit with Josh too. So we're, yeah, we're just sort of speculating and guessing from little bits and pieces of what we hear. There's a certain art form to, to saying a lot, like saying as many words as you can in one answer, but saying as little as you can, like you're saying there. I mean, I, I just, I want some sort of ranking system that ranks MLS coaches or front office members, whatever. And and gives us that ranking of how good they are at saying the most without saying anything at all. Yeah, I'm with you. Claud Claudio and Josh would make the playoffs in that table for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's uh let's jump into building our eleven. So I think the way I want to do it is starting from the back and just kind of zigzagging our way through through the the eleven there. So um, at goalkeeper, who do you have at goalkeeper, Joe? This is a tough one. There are a couple spots in this in this 11 for me that are a little bit up for grabs, but maybe none of them more so than goalkeeper. With Between Brady Scott, Andrew Tarbell, and Brad Stuver, I, I lean towards Andrew Tarbell or Stuver just because I have that past MLS experience where Brady Scott doesn't really spend a little time in USL, some time in Germany with Colin before then. But Tarbell's gotten, I believe, either the most minutes out of these three or, again, right on, right on par with Stuver. 
I, I, it's hard for me to really pick one between those two guys, but I threw a dart at the dartboard and uh, Andrew Tarbell's name came up first by first name alphabeticalism. So that's what I went with. Yeah. Tarbell has like actually quite a few um, minutes in MLS. I, I, I think this is right, but I think he has almost 50 appearances in MLS yeah. where Stuver has, I think maybe like 10 in his whole career or something like that. And so I think, yeah, I think Tarbell, whether or not we should feel good about that, I'm not sure. He he showed some some promising signs in the playoffs last year, but we have not that much to go off of. So um, do you think Austin fans should be concerned or nervous about not knowing who our keeper is and not really knowing about who the favorite is? Maybe. I do have goalkeeper as one of the items in my list of potential weaknesses, but it is potential. I don't think there's reason to be concerned right now. I'd, I'd be mostly curious about how, how Josh Wolf gets these players to build out from the back and how they're able to contribute with the ball. If that is in fact, how he decides to play, like we think he will, I think that's going to be important and we're just going to need to see reps and we're going to need to see game time. And if things are going poorly, then you start to raise some questions and have some concerns. But I, I think, I think it's fine. If not, you know, necessarily a great spot to be in. I'm, I'm, I'll probably say this about a few positions today, but I think there's, I think Tarbell is the the pretty clear favorite to be the starter at the beginning of the season. But I think by no means does that mean he's going to be the starter at the end of the season. I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of competition um, in a in a good way. I think in some of these positions, but uh, there's definitely going to be spots to be won and lost in this in this starting eleven for sure. Um, Moving on to the next one, I think this is one of the easiest ones to pick, which is right back. Um, I don't, I've got Nick Lima. I'm assuming you have Nick Lima there as well. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, Nick Lima over Hector Jimenez, who's got to be the backup in that spot, right? He's played there for the crew. Josh Wolf knows him. Those are good things. Josh Wolf also knows Nick Lima, though, right? They've spent time together with the national team under Greg Berhalter. And so they have that working relationship Nick Lima is a really interesting guy because, you know, in Berhalter's first January camp game back in 2019 against Panama, Lima was tucking inside and playing next to Michael Bradley in a two-man midfield, essentially, in possession. That's what it turned into. And part of me wonders, are we going to see that in Austin from time to time? And I don't know if that's going to be the case. I'm just speculating. But it's got to be Nick Lima as the starter, whether or not he tucks inside or not. Yeah, absolutely. I've been curious about that as well. If he, if they might add that little twist in certain times where Lima pinches inside instead of uh, running up the flank. But again, who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> um, next spot is center back. So at the right center back, uh, I have uh, Johan Romagna picked as the starter there. What do you have, Joe? I have Julio Cascante, but there, there's a really fine line here between three players really. And I, I guess I'll, I'll move into that if you guys are okay with that. Matt Beasler, there's the, I mean, Matt Beasler is the X factor in this group as I see it. He's 34. If he has enough mobility to play in this team, I think he's going to be that veteran presence in the back line. And may, maybe I'm way off on this, but I think he's going to be that left-sided center back pinging passes. He can drive forward. It's so comfortable on the ball, really fun to watch in possession. But if he's a liability defensively, you can't really have him in there as much as you'd like to. So if Beasler can play and if he can start and be relied upon, then I have Beasler and Cascante with Beasler on the left, Cascante on the right. And if he can't, then I have Romagna on the right and Cascante shifting over to the left to cover for Beasler as that more mobile option on that side. Even though Cascante is right-footed, he can do the job on the left. But again, all this depends on Matt Beasler for me. 
Yeah, Cascante is kind of a luxury in that sense in that in his I think his last year and a half or so at Portland, he mostly played on the left side, yeah. even though he is right footed. So uh, he's he's comfortable on that side. I'm not sure if that's his best spot or not, but um, I think regardless, even if Beasler is does still have enough in the tank to to be the guy at that spot, he's going to need spelling like he's going to need rotation. And so mm-hmm. I think all three of those guys are going to get a lot of minutes. Uh, and then probably even see some of Freddie Kleeman as well, the the super draft pick. But Jeremiah, who if you had to pick a, a theoretical starting eleven tomorrow, who would you have at your center back pairing? Yeah, I would agree with Joe for tomorrow. Like I, f- I feel like Romagna has a ton of talent, but he's raw, and so I would see us starting the season with Beasler and Cascante. And I think if, I mean, if Beasler falls apart and we and have and we had a lot of the year with like Romagna and Cascante. I'm also very worried about how many goals we're allowing per game too. Not that they, I mean, there's a lot of potential there, but like we know, or we've seen, you know, Cascante has some tendency to kind of make bad mistakes from time to time. And I feel like Romagna is kind of the same way. Like he's got a ton of talent, but he's super raw. And I think it could get like, it could be a bit of a mess at the back if we're relying on those two guys for like two thirds of the, of the starts in, in, in the, at the center back position. Yeah, it does. Joe, seem, have you seen much footage oh, sorry, of Romagna? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's right in line with kind of what I was gonna gonna jump in with. I've watched some footage of him, and I totally agree with you, Jeremiah. He, to me, looks like a player who has a lot of defensive upside and can cover ground and, and can move well defensively. Strong, hard to knock off the ball, but doesn't look like a a progressive passer. Doesn't look like a guy who's gonna drive into midfield like Matt Beasler, they almost seem like center backs, the total opposite end of the spectrum. Beasler on one side, the more attacking minded center back. And then Romagna on the other side, the more defensive minded center back, which is interesting to me. Uh, I I wonder why I think I read a quote from Josh Wolf talking about how, you know, they move Cecilio Dominguez to Paraguay, which is where Rodin Redes is They're at the same club. And then while that's happening, they see Romagna and they say, Oh, that's a player we could use. And that's interesting to me because it, it doesn't really look like the type of center back I would go out and get if I'm trying to build a possession style because he doesn't pass the ball at a, at a super high rate or a super good rate either. So I, I'm curious, and that's not a bad thing. That's not to say you can't use different types of players and you can't mold younger players. Romagna is only 22 into the kind of player you want them to become. But Romagna is a guy who I think will take some time to adjust to MLS as will maybe some of the other players on this roster. Yeah, I I got to watch quite a few games of uh Romagna's at Guarani and they played pretty pretty fast and loose at the back. There wasn't a lot of organization <laughs> yeah, happening there. Yeah. And so Romagna would find himself chasing a forward out to the touchline with one guy left behind him. Yeah. And so and it seemed it, it it didn't it almost seemed like he was either encouraged or not told not to do that because it happened a lot. And but it's like it wasn't always ideal positioning, but you got to see his recovery speed and like what he was able to do getting back. And so physically, he's extremely capable of, of doing that kind of stuff. And I don't know that he's not capable of playing in a more structured hard, system. Yeah, we just say. haven't seen him do it yet <laughs> because yeah. Guarani was definitely not that. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the X factor there is just how, how quickly is he going to pick up a more uh, rigid system, whereas Cascante knows the league really well. Uh, has played in in more possession based systems like that before, and so yeah, he might get the get the nod first. But um, I think over the length of the season, Romagna has a real chance to to become a really good player in this league. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, moving over to left back. Uh, who do you got, Joe? 
I have been sweat, which I mean, maybe you could see and hear some reluctance in my voice and see some reluctance <laughs> as I said that on Zoom. But I mean, Ben Sweat and Zan Kolmanich are the two options here, right? Kolmanich right now is off with Slovenia with the, the U21 team in the Euros, the U21 Euros. He'll be back before the season starts, as far as I can tell. I don't know how the quarantine process is going to go. But if we're picking a theoretical starting 11 for the start of the season, it's got to be Ben Sweat, right? Just because of the timing, you know, Kolmanich hasn't been in this group. He hasn't spent enough time with the group, and he won't have spent enough time with the group by – April 17th, that Saturday, I believe, if I have my days right. I mean, he, he just won't be ready for that LAFC game unless I'm unless I'm totally underestimating his ability. I don't think Ben Sweat is a great left back, uh, but someone that I think Josh Wolf will have worked with before with the national team, if I'm not mistaken, someone he knows and has played against an MLS and, and sees something in. I just am not sure I see those same things. He, he also is someone who had his best years under uh, Claudio Reyna at yeah, New York. Yeah, um, there you go. But I, I've the same sentiment. I'm like, like, yeah, Ben Sweat's fine. He, he's, he'll do, a, he'll do a fine job there. But um, the other option right now is Aiden Stanley, who's a super draft pick, who as of right now does not have a contract with Austin FC. He's yeah. a trialist at the moment. So um, I guess if we had like in a pinch, I mean, Jimenez can play on the left as well, and so you at least have someone who can play there in a pinch. But um, I think watching some footage of Coleman, which I haven't seen a ton of it. He's a really dangerous crosser of the ball, like puts in really good service with with his left foot and then is a pretty good, like proactive defender in like a counter press situation. But I I got on Y Scout and just turned on like one on one defending and watched him just like back to goal one on one. What does he do? And he doesn't look super good in that situation. Um, And so maybe against certain teams, they'll maybe like situationally pick one of those guys over the other. Cause Ben Sweat's going to be a much better, just like one-on-one defender than, than Kolmanich is for the time being. It's something he could get better at cause he's still young, but um, maybe if it's a, a game where we're going to have more of the ball, we're going to attack more, maybe Kolmanich would be a good, a good option. And if we're going to be on the back foot a bit more uh, maybe put Sweat there, but I think, yeah, definitely just because of the the situation that that we're in right now, where Kolmanich isn't going to be with the team, Sweat's definitely going to be the starter at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it certainly feels that way right now for sure. All right, moving to another easy position, uh, the, <laughs> the the easiest. number six, yeah. the 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 deepest deepest midfielder in that four three three, Alex Ring. It's got to be Alex, Alex Ring, Ring, right? It has to be right. He's going to welcome not playing out on the left wing like he did under Ronnie Dyla for large stretches of <laughs> yeah. last season. I still cannot believe that happened. It feels like a fever dream that happened mid-pandemic, but it was real, people. It was real. He's going to be the starting number six, and he's going to be he's gonna be good, you guys. He, I mean, we know this, right? We know this. He's fun to watch. He covers ground. He can pass the ball. He fits in any style, and, and he'll certainly fit in whatever Josh Wolf's Austin FC team ends up being. Yeah, absolutely. One one of the the big question marks here was for a long time was we there was no backup at that position. There was absolutely nobody who had ever played substantial minutes as a six until uh until Sebastian Berhalter was announced on loan. And so I feel a lot better having Berhalter there, someone who can play capable MLS minutes when you need him to. Um because yeah, before then it was like I guess maybe Pereira could go there or I think I, Phil West is convinced that Segura was going to be yeah. 
the backup six. And I do not have faith in Ulysses Segura to play the, the six. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny that, that Josh Wolf can't get away from Berhalter, be it Greg Berhalter or Sebastian Berhalter. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a connection there. And again, familiarity. You can find those connections all over this squad. Alex Ring and Claudio Reyna with that NYCFC connection. They really are everywhere. But I'm curious to see more of Sebastian Berhalter. It seems like he was beaten out in the homegrown rankings in Columbus by Aiden Morris. And we saw Aiden Morris mm-hmm. much more at the end of that season than we did see Sebastian Berhalter, especially in MLS Cup. But that doesn't mean Berhalter's a bad player. I'm excited to see what he brings to this group when he does fill in for Alex Ring. Because I agree with you. I think that's going to be his spot and his role is to deputize as, as a number six when that situation arises. Yeah, I, I, one thing I said whenever that signing was announced is that it's someone who is going to be perfectly content to play behind Ring because um, Ring is the guy. He's going to yeah. play. If he's available, he's playing. And so I think it's good to have someone like a younger guy that can develop a little bit and is going to be happy to play behind him instead of being mad that Ring's stealing all of his minutes. Right. <laughs> Um, all right, moving into the these two further advanced midfielders. Uh, one of these is easy. One of these, I think, is maybe the hardest option in, in the whole team. So the easy one, Tomas Pochettino, right? Uh, Argentinian player. I think he's 25 years old. Um, looks like a really interesting player. And I think you guys have talked about Pochettino on MLS assist. So what is, what is your take? What, what kind of player is he? Cause I think a lot of people have talked about him as being the Argentinian number 10 that, that Wolf is bringing in. He's really not that player. Yeah, we did talk about him on MLS assist. Jordan Angeli and I watched the film and had that exact sort of reaction he's not Maxi Morales. He's not this Argentinian number 10 coming in to pull all the strings. That's not his game. He's much more of a number eight. He's almost built more like Jan Gregush in Minnesota. He doesn't necessarily play like him, but they kind of have similar ish frames. Pochettino's maybe a little, little slimmer, but he fits to me and he's played as a number 10. He's played a little bit out wide. He's played deeper in midfield. To me, he looks like a number eight. He looks like a guy who'd be perfect playing across from another number eight behind a front three and in front of a number six as the left side at eight or the right side at eight. I'm not sure it matters a whole lot, but he connects play. He can get out in transition. He can do, I mean, he's just a well-rounded guy, but he's not excellent at pulling strings and feeding balls in behind the back line. That's just not his game, which is another clue. Like we talked about much earlier, that's another clue for the shape. Or, or kind of the shape of that midfield as a one-two midfield instead of a two-one midfield. Pochettino fits more, right. you know, it certainly fits better as one of those eights, as I said. So I have him on one side for sure. The other side though, Landon, you're spot on. Man, this is this is the position I had the most trouble with. And so I went with my heart. I went with my heart. I went with the younger guy that I'm excited about, maybe irrationally still. It's Daniel Pereira. I think All right. I think he has what it takes, right? He goes number one in the super draft. Everybody's like, what is going on? We thought it was going to be Philip Mayaka. Mayaka then goes on loan to USL from the Colorado Rapids earlier today as we're recording. And so, you know, maybe you think Austin, Austin made that pick. They made the right pick, bringing in a more technical player than Mayaka. He doesn't cover as much ground, but he still can cover ground. He can, he can pass the ball. He can do some running off the ball. I, I like what he brings. I liked, I like what he showed at Virginia Tech. I have no idea how that will translate to MLS as I seemingly don't have any idea with any rookie ever, but he looks to me like a guy who has potential and I, I want to see it. I I went with my heart and picked Pereira as well, just because I I like the kind of player he is. Um, 
I, I think this position really is going to depend on what Wolf wants from that position, right? Because the other option, I think the, the other clearest option is Diego Fagundes. Um, Diego Fagundes, I think, is the closest player we have to a pure number 10. Um, there's not really another player on the team that that fits that mold, uh, like the traditional skill set of a number 10. And so does he want that position to be a bit more of a of like a ball control guy, like a, a real eight, or does he want that person to be kind of that string puller who can who can feed those passes in behind, kind of like you said, Pochettino doesn't really do. Do you want a player who who does something different than what Pochettino does? And so I think that's the big question, but I really do like Pereira. I I think he's got a, a little bit of Darlington Nagby in him. Hmm. The way he like moves with the ball and Smooth, just, right? he seems to like like glide. Yeah. Like, that Dar- Darlington glide where he just like turns his hips one way. He's never moving. Doesn't ever look like he's moving super fast. It's just like he'll turn his hips one way and like misdirect someone. And there was um, the most recent scrimmage that uh, Austin FC played. All we got was like a 45 second highlight reel out of that. So that's all we got to see. But one of those highlights was um, was Danny Pereira receiving the ball and turning several different directions and evading four Oklahoma city players. It, no, Louisville city. It was Louisville was the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, four Louisville players, just like not, not outrunning anybody, just turning directions and misdirecting and just, and just doing, doing that thing that we've seen Darlington Nagby do pretty much every game. Really. I love that. I love that comparison. I can definitely see some similarities there. This position group as a whole, to me, the number six and in the two number eights, especially that feels like a strength of this group. Maybe the biggest strength of this group as I see it, they have real depth. They have solid first, you know, first line guys, especially in Ring and Pochettino. We think Pochettino is going to be going to be good in that spot as a designated player. But then you've got Ulysses Segura, not not someone I'd feel confident starting every game, but has gotten some some real minutes for DC. You have Sebastian Beralter, as we talked about, as depth at the six. Maybe Segura plays there as well from time to time. Then it's Jared Stroud, a guy who I've liked with the Red Bulls and in that organization. And then Diego Fagundes, who I wouldn't be shocked to see him or Stroud or Segura really start as that other number eight across from Pochettino. When you have four guys, yeah, maybe they're not, maybe they're not MLS stars. I, certainly we're not thinking they're going to be, but you have four guys who could all be in contention for that spot and play at a decent level. That's a good place to be in, in your you know expansion season coming into MLS. I was talking to, uh, a friend of ours here in Austin, Chris Wellhausen, and he he brought up the point that Jared Stroud might find a way into that spot in certain games if they yeah. want to lean into a, like a pressing system and to have a bit more energy in that in that second spot there and do more of that that high energy work that maybe Pereira and Fagundes wouldn't be uh, as well suited for. Yeah, that's a great point. I could see that as well. Jeremiah, who would you pick in that spot? Well, you know, my heart is with Diego Fagundes. Like I, the Diego Fagundes <laughs> redemption story is very important to me um, because I just like watched some video and fell in love with him. And, and I would like, and I would like to see more of that. And I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he fits into this system, like as we talked about or not, but um, you know, he's done a lot. I'm, I'm ready for him to come back too. And I want to go back to, so we've got this really dumb nickname for Pochettino that some people are trying to make happen. <laughs> And I feel like Pepper Joe's the person to give us an opinion on it. So, <laughs> oh, no. Um, so what, what do you think about Tommy Pokes? It, it, it works better if it's Pochettino, but uh, should, should we go with that <laughs> or is that really bad? I, I mean, it's not really bad. Like if, if that's what it ends up being, I think that's fine. I just think, you know, there's still, 
a couple weeks before the season starts, maybe there's time to workshop it a little bit. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to hate on okay. it if that's okay. what you guys all decide to go for, you know? And he actually comes built in with a pretty good nickname, which is Toto. Yeah, Toto's a good nickname yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that might be a, a bit better that we might not need to reinvent the wheel on that one. But I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with the masses. I'll go with the masses, you guys. All right. The next position I want to go to is uh, the left wing. And my guess for this position is going to be the man with his first name on the back of his jersey. And that's Cecilio. Yeah, which is a great move, by the way. I, I mean, it's absolutely it's whenever, <laughs> I, I think it's cool whenever players do that. And they, I mean, it might happen for various reasons, but I have him at that spot as well. As as the club's first ever designated player coming in, and he's he's been in Paraguay as well. He's a guy who can cut in on his right foot. We talked about him on MLS Assist earlier today as we're recording on Monday. And he's a guy who loves to shoot, loves to shoot a little bit too much as far as I can tell. But if he can <laughs> become a bit more of an efficient player in terms of his shot selection, he can get into dangerous spots. He's very tricky. He's not the, the most athletic guy, but he's hard to stop 1v1. If you can switch the ball out to him on the left and have him run at an opposing right back, that's a good spot to be in. He can drift across and be in central channels or drift over to the right side or start on the right side. He's a really versatile guy in terms of his positioning and dangerous on the ball. I, I think he has the ability to, to produce an MLS. I don't know for sure. We're going to we're gonna find out with all of these guys, really. But he's a talented player who I think definitely will start on the left on opening day. Yeah, I I think one of you, – you mentioned his positional flexibility, and that's – it's something that, that Wolf and Reyna have – been hounding on since they got here, since before there were any players, that they want their players to be positionally flexible. And Cecilio, watching what clips I watched of him in Argentina and Mexico, and then got to watch quite a few of his games uh, in Paraguay, he he just floats around and he'll he played some like second striker and as a 10 and on the left yeah. wing and played in a lot of different spots for them. And even when he's on the wing though, he'll he'll float all the way across the other side of the field to to pick up the ball or to create space or to find an opening. And I think if like that used in a controlled and strategic way can fit in really well with what Wolf wants to do, it's going to depend on if he's moving into those positions at the right time. And if the guys around him are, are allowing for that space or finding the space that he's leaving behind. And so those are going to be the things that need to be controlled, but he is very good at just kind of going wherever he needs to be and then doing something special whenever he gets there. Yeah, that's a that's really well said. If you can harness Cecilio Dominguez in a controlled way, that's going to that's going to benefit him as a player in terms of his production, and that's certainly going to benefit Austin as a unit on the field. I I love that. That's well put. Yeah. So one one kink I want to throw into our plan here is in the two scrimmages that we've seen so far, it looks like Cecilio has been playing as one of those two inside midfielders quite a bit. Hmm. Um, and so Wolf has said in, in interviews that, um, that he can play the 10, he can play in the wing. So he's not saying like, Oh no, he's not going to play on the wing. I still think like just with the players we have, that's going to be his strongest position and what we've seen of him in the past, but he has been playing as, as one of those two inside guys. And so I'm, I'm curious as to, Maybe one of the options, instead of uh, Pereira Fragundes next to Pochettino, if we see Cecilio there sometimes, and then someone like Kakutamane or John Gallagher on that left wing, which Kakutamane has looked really good in these two scrimmages as well. Someone who we haven't really talked about that much, but is like shown really well in these scrimmages apparently. And so 
Um, I, I still think Cecilio's primary spot is going to be on the left wing, but I think him moving inside and starting in one of those dual eights is something we could see as well. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you use him in that spot as the left-sided number eight against RSL or against Vancouver teams that are probably going to sit a little bit deeper and let you have more of the ball. And it's your job to break them down. Minnesota, maybe as another example, Portland, there are lots of teams like that in the West, even Seattle maybe you sacrifice a little bit of defensive work in midfield and you really go for it and you put Dominguez there and you put Mane out on the left or you put John Gallagher out on the left and you you ride with that and you say, yeah, we're going to break you down and, and counter press and not lose the ball and not have to track back. I, I can see that. I, hadn't, I have not thought about that before and now I'm very intrigued. All right. Um, moving to the number nine. I think this one is fairly clear, but it's also maybe one of the biggest... Uh, variables in how Austin FC's season is going to go is uh, is this position. So I think Danny Hooson is the the obvious choice. Uh, I imagine you have the same person. I do. I have Danny Hooson over Aaron Schoenfeld, and I completely agree with you, Landon. This is this is an X factor, and I have this on my potential weaknesses list as well. But I mean, it it could turn out not to be a weakness. Danny Hooson's had a weird MLS ride so far, right? Playing a lot under Matias Almeida, and then not playing so much under Matias Almeida. And when he was playing, spending some time up top, some time up top as part of a front two as a lone striker or out on the wing, which makes more sense with how San Jose play, but still doesn't make a lot of sense given that he's, he's a number nine. He's not a winger. He's not going to bring one V one ability. He's much more of a, yeah, I can, I can drop a little bit, play me the ball and then I can turn and, and then get in the box or I can just do classic number nine things. I think he's going to be allowed to do number nine things under Josh Wolf in a controlled environment. If everything goes according to plan. And he could turn out to be a solid player. He's had some solid seasons statistically in terms of his expected goals in the past. He's also had some seasons that weren't so good, but I think that's partially affected by the position changes. So I expect him to be the starting number nine on opening day against LAFC. And I think he'll get the majority of those minutes this year as long as he's healthy. And he could turn out to be a really strong addition for this group, or he could turn out to be pretty poor. And honestly, time will tell. I think if there is a setting and a system that Danny Houston can succeed in, then this is the one, right? Like he, he uh, had a media availability last week, I believe it was. And something that he brought up was that he he's Dutch, right. And came up through Dutch system, the Dutch system of play. And he said that Wolf system is something that he feels very at home in where he can kind of drop into midfield and play with the midfield or some, it's something that he's pretty good at. And um, I think, Cecilio Dominguez, like like you said, likes to cut in on his right foot and move inside. And something that I saw a lot with Guarani was him cutting inside and then playing a one-two to either one of those midfielders or to his number nine, and then making that run in behind for like that dinked in pass. And Hussein's a, a good passer of the ball and is good at kind of those combination things there. And so I think that combination could could be something really good, but Again, we don't know. Um, I think this is also maybe one of the strongest uh, positions for uh, Austin FC still has that one designated player spot left that they're going to fill in the summer. And so I think Danny Houston has, um, he needs to to prove to Claudio Reyna and Josh Wolf that they don't need to fill that spot with the designated (laughs) player. Yeah. There, I mean, Dan Houston's going to be saying, go, no, go use it on a left back. Don't use it. Don't use it up here. Use it somewhere else. Anywhere else. (laughs) Anywhere else, please. (laughs) um all right this is the next the the i i intentionally went this direction because i think this is the other difficult decision is this right wing 
Um, I I have Rodney Redis picked here, but if you'd have asked me a week and a half ago, I would have picked somebody else. So who do you have there, Joe? I also have Rodney Redis just because everything I've heard out of Austin, or or maybe more so from like national media, is just assuming that he's going to be the starter on that right side. You have the two guys coming in from the same club, sort of in Paraguay. And so, you know, you start Dominguez on the left, you start Redas on the right, the two international attackers new to the league. And that just makes sense. I'm really curious. Not that I, not that I don't think it will be Redas because I, I think I do, but a week and a half ago, who would you have said would have been that, that starter? Would it, would it have been John Gallagher? This was one of my like like my points of stress on this team, really. And I think I probably I, I've made little lineup cards in the past and posted them to Twitter. And I think I've put Segura there yeah, fairly often okay. just because he was like a safe pair of hands to put there. Uh and as an MLS veteran knows the league pretty well. Um Redis, I think there's a lot of excitement about him because he was the first ever player. He's sure. uh, filling a young money slot, so he's kind of got this special designation that creates a little bit of buzz. Um, watching him in Guarani this last season, he did not have a very good year. He hmm. didn't do a whole lot, didn't create very much, and then towards the end of the season, he wasn't starting for that team. They had uh, another, Nicholas Mana, I think was his name, but Redis was coming off the bench. Like You'd see him come on in the 70th minute or something pretty much every game. And so... I just like, I, like they see something in him. He's clearly got a really high work rate and like he's fast and strong, but he just didn't really show much in this last season at Guarani. And so I was like, I don't fully trust him to be the guy there. Um, the reason my tune has changed is because I think he's scored three or four goals and has two assists or something like that in these scrimmages that we've played. And has apparently looked from what little reports we've gotten has looked really good in these scrimmages. So He's kind of earned a little bit more of my faith, and I've always had faith in him to kind of come good in the long term, but as far as starting off right now, I wasn't entirely sold on him until very recently. And maybe yeah, that's a good one thing. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeremiah. Oh, no, it's good. I was going to say, one thing I've liked out of him is, like, I just felt like he seemed like a bull, you know, in Paraguay, and, like, he, like, you know, the videos we've seen, he's got a lot more skill and touch than I would have assumed from having watched him play in that system he was in before, so... That's right. I'm like, I'm out to put Mane in this spot too before, but I'm kind of sold on him now too. And, and maybe waffling back and forth or not being entirely sold on a younger guy like Rodney Reda's, maybe that's not a bad thing, right? Especially in 2021 with how crazy the world has been. I mean, these guys' lives have been insane just as a lot. I mean, a lot of ours had as well, but I mean, especially for athletes traveling and doing different things like that, like the world's been so crazy. And coming into MLS is already an adjustment for players coming in from South America. I mean, there are there are reasons to be patient with these guys and, and the reasons to say, okay, well, let's, let's wait and see what he can do at an MLS level. Not that it's this absurdly high level, but it's just different. It's a different environment than Paraguay or than Argentina talking about Dominguez and when he was playing at Independiente and then going back to Paraguay. I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors at play here. And so not being sold on Rodney Redes, I think it's fine. I'm not entirely sold on his game either. He seems like the kind of guy who puts his head down and dribbles at you and then does show maybe a little bit of technical quality and bends in a ball with his right foot. But, I mean, he doesn't look like the finished product right now. And I don't think he is the finished product. I will say one thing. If he does end up starting out wide on the right side, I think we we could see a lot of moments where it's him and Nick Lima as the pairing on that right wing with Lima as the right back and Rodney Redes as the right winger. I think we could see moments because Redes is right-footed 
where he stays a little bit wider and Nick Lima does tuck in, not all the way into midfield like he did in that January camp and then some other times under Berhalter, but maybe he plays in that seam, kind of like Tristan Blackman has done with LAFC at times when it's Carlos Vela out there. Super different comparison in terms of overall level of some of these guys. But if Reda stays wider, that could open up an opportunity for Nick Lima to show how comfortable he is in a more narrow spot on that right side. But again, this is all super, super theoretical at this point. So grain of salt, grain of salt, everybody. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really do like about Rodney is his work rate. Um, again, Guarani was kind of, uh, I don't even know how to describe how they played, but it was pretty wild at times. It's a little weird. Yeah. Sometimes their offensive plan was just like launch it and let Rodney chase it. And <laughs> he would chase it into the corner and then like try to play it back into somebody else. But he's, he's fast and he he'll run like, even if he's not the fastest guy, he'll sprint all the way up. And then you would see him pretty often sprint back and make a defensive play as well. And he's not an amazing defender, but he makes up for it in effort. And so he's not one of those guys who's going to make a bad play and then just stand in the box and wait for wait for someone to bring the ball back to him. He's going to get back and, and put in some work, which I think is probably something that, that Wolf and Reyna really liked in him. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see all the newcomers on this roster. That's one of the things I'm most looking forward to because this, this Austin squad is a lot of players we know, a lot of players we've seen in MLS already, but it's also got that mix of guys like Rodney Redes, like Cecilio Dominguez, Tomas Pacchettino, and I mean, other guys, Romagna along the back line and, and players that we just haven't seen before. And so I'm excited to see which ones hit, which ones maybe don't hit as much um, as the season actually gets underway, because I think there is, there is talent on this squad and it's just a matter of actually seeing that, that play out and seeing those players get comfortable in this group. So we could do this for for days and keep talking about <laughs> all these different conditional scenarios. But I think uh, let's move on to just kind of your overall thoughts and predictions for Austin's inaugural season. Yeah, sure. So number one, this is more of a thought than it is a prediction because I'm really bad at predictions. Um, I'm just really excited about this Austin team. I'm excited to see Josh Wolf. I, I hope it pans out like we think it will in terms of that control controlled structure. Um, but I mean, if it doesn't, that's a great, great thing to dive into. Why isn't it working? What needs to change? And I, I, like, I like problem solving in that way. And if it does, it's another team that's fun to watch and has a tactical identity in MLS. And that's great. We need more of those teams in this league. So I'm excited to see just how everything comes together from a tactical standpoint. I kind of just talked about the personnel standpoint. I'm excited to see that as well with this group and a lot of new players coming in. How does Nick Lima, obviously an established MLS guy, how does he play how does he embrace that kind of full-time starting right back role that we think he's going to have there's lots of those types of questions or things i'm excited to see predictions wise i don't have a spot in the table that i think they'll be in or they'll end the season in in the west but i have kind of a range of of words not numbers even i think they'll be somewhere between okay and pretty good and that pretty good could turn into like actually good in top four or five in the west depending maybe on that third DP and how they use that spot likely in the summer, at least in May or June. But I think because of their central midfield depth and because they have some guys that we know in MLS and in our solid players, they're not bad players, at least not a lot of them. I think the, the floor for this team is actually pretty high. And that's why I have them as okay to good. There's somewhere in that range. Maybe that's from eighth to fourth and in, in the Western conference, maybe it's a little lower. But they, they have a stronger roster, as I see it, than some other teams out in the West. But that could all change very quickly once we actually see this team play. I think, I think there is potential <laughs> yeah. here, and I think their floor is higher than past expansion teams have, have been coming into the league. Yeah, I think Jeremiah 
and I talk about this a lot, but I think I, I don't see a situation where this team is terrible. Yeah, agreed. I, like, I think there's a, a fluke situation where they actually end up being pretty good, but I think we're not going to be uh, FC Cincinnati for the last several years. Yeah. Yeah, Finger, totally fingers agree. crossed. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Famous we'll last word. We may regret that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we finish up, Joe, tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Joe C. Lowry. Or, I mean, that's probably the best place to go as the launching point for other stuff. But you can listen to me and, and Jordan Angeli on MLS Assist, which is a podcast where we get into the, the tactical side of the game and breaking down players and teams and all that stuff, all that fun stuff. So you can listen to me there or you can listen to me on the Total Soccer Show, which is a blast as always to do with Taylor Rockwell and, and Ryan Bailey and a couple other folks there. So that is, that's my long-winded plug there, Landon. All right. Well, Joe, this has been a true pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Joe. We want to thank Joe one more time for joining us. We had a lot of fun talking to him, so we hope uh, you all enjoyed that and maybe you learned something from him as well. Before we wrap up, we want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It uh, it helps our audience grow and export, exposes us to more people as, as uh, Austin FC starts taking the field and more people start kind of getting into it and looking into it. So definitely rate, review, and then also just share it with your friends. Tell If, if you know people who are into soccer and are in Austin or looking to get into Austin FC or just wanting to learn more about the league, recommend this to, to them. Uh, cause that's, that's really the, the fastest way that this is going to grow and like what's going to help us the most. And so if you like this show, tell someone about it. Um, we also want to ask you to go to the striker Texas website and, uh, check out a recent article by Chris bills about, um, Michael Hood, who is going to be the, uh, the commentator aside, Adrian Healy for the Austin FC broadcast, which I thought that was really interesting. And he seems like a really interesting person as well. So that was a cool story. Yeah. I liked his, um, I mean, he's got a really good, he's got a good adventure, right? I mean, he had a good, like he, where he grew up and how he got here and like his journey as a player. And, and I think we talked about this before, like as a coach, uh, not as a coach, as an announcer, sort of how he's, how he's developed and he brings a lot of enthusiasm. He tweets a lot, which is good. Um, we enjoy that. And speaking of tweeting, we, if you want to enjoy the continue the soccer conversation, check us out on Twitter at either jbentley underscore ATX or lviajero87. So what is the source of lviajero87? Because I don't think we've talked about this on the show. Oh, it just means the traveler. And then um, the 87 is the year I was born. <laughs> It's not very deep. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not that interesting. That's why I haven't talked about it before. <laughs> but now we know it's fine. Jay Bentley ATX is also not that like dynamic or interesting. But uh, all right, it's least, at least it's easy to remember than uh, Arnold, comma John, which we talked about <laughs> his too. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Moon Tower Soccer. We will be back in one week with more Austin FC news and an interview with Phil West. We're going to talk about just kind of give our our annual MLS preview, which we've done for the last couple of years with Phil. So we're looking forward to that. Will uh, we'll Phil be back pick in... Atlanta? Will Phil pick Atlanta United to win again? Uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back in one week. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. No one is around.